0: Esther, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, if you're trying to remember where it's at in your Old Testament, the book of Esther. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is the book of Esther. It contains a very famous uh, passage of scripture, a famous verse that we uh, hear quite often, and we're going to uh, ask you to be thinking of some testimony regarding this. So when we come to the end of the service tonight, uh, we'll have some testimony time as our invitation. The famous passage of Scripture is uh, when Mordecai is uh, calling on Esther to consider that perhaps God has brought her to this point, to this place, for a purpose, for such a time as this. And so uh, we're going to uh, look at Esther and that whole story tonight. Uh, It's honestly, Esther could have been a play written by Shakespeare, it's got humor. It's got drama. It's, you know, it's got life and death situations. It's just uh, a really great story. And it also has some good spiritual challenge. Uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll jump in. Father, we love you. We do thank you for uh, letting us be together tonight around your word to allow iron to sharpen iron, to allow us to uh, fellowship, to allow us to sing your praise and lift you up. And Lord, I pray that as we're considering our own lives and the circumstances and situations you've placed us in, that we might uh, consider that perhaps it is that there's a reason that we don't yet understand that we need to be looking for, uh, that we might be able to be used by you in a very special and unique way. And Father, we'll thank and praise you for all that you do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You might uh, differ on these, so we'll just let you uh, help me out here. Let's talk about the main characters, before I forget, by the way. Uh, Miss Melissa, this is her last Sunday home. When do you leave, Miss Melissa, to go back to Africa? Tuesday afternoon. So, uh, pardon? Traveling through through to Wednesday night. Take her a while to get there with two babies. So uh, pray for her and uh, just uh, you might want to say your goodbyes at this point uh, as they go back to the mission field, join the rest of her family over there. She came home for her brother's uh, wedding and uh, things uh, went well and now they're getting ready to head back. So, main characters. Who would you say the main characters are in the book of Esther? Esther being a given, okay? We'll say Esther. Who else would you consider a main character in this story? Mordecai. That's going to be another. Who is Mordecai? Esther's uncle. Haman. Who is Haman? He's the bad guy, right? The music, cue the music, right? Don 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 There comes Haman under the scene. And uh, give me another one. Ahasuerus, or however you say it. Yeah, right. That's the king. He's the king. And that's, he's going to be a, a significant part of this story. Anybody else? Vashti is the uh, former queen. And uh, she is about to, and that's where the story is going to start. You don't want to leave that part out. It's an interesting part of the story because it's what sets up Esther to be able to come onto the scene and uh, to make all this work. So we're going to kind of walk ourselves through the story very quickly. We're not going to read the whole book, all right? Uh, But it's not a long book, but we're not going to read it all tonight. Uh, We'll kind of hit the highlights of it and uh, let you see some of the story that's taking place. And those would have been the main characters that I would have come up with. You might, there's a whole bunch of characters listed. I mean a mountain load of characters that are listed in the book, and uh, you can kind of go through and read them. But it starts out here in this first uh, chapter. We're going to just kind of walk ourselves through the chapters. All right. So in chapter, let's start at verse 15 uh, for sake of time. Jump down to verse 15. It says, what shall we do unto the queen Vashti according to the law? Because she hath not performed the commandment of the king, Ahasuerus, uh, and by the chamberlains. So here's what's happened. Uh, The king declares a feast and everybody's supposed to feast for a week and they're all getting drunk and they're all doing things that they probably shouldn't be doing. And a long way into the uh, feast week, the king decides to call the queen in and kind of show her off because the Bible says she is beautiful and the whole uh, country kind of looks to her for her beauty. And the queen, not willing to be a toy, not willing to be a puppet, says to the king, I'm not coming. You know, you have... You're a, you're a drunken mess, and you, all you want to do is use me for your own purposes, and I'm not coming. And that kind of sets the story where uh, everybody starts getting upset. But there's an interesting twist here. It's not really a twist. It's exactly what the story is. It's an interesting thing for us to look at, at how these... <clears throat> this is not necessarily a, sh- a story about chauvinism, but it does carry a great deal of chauvinism in this beginning of this story. Listen to verse 16. And Mamukin, wouldn't you love to have that name, teenagers? Mamukin. Praise the Lord for my parents. I tell you, I am so thankful every time I read these names sometimes. Answered before the king and the princes, Bashti, the queen, hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and to all the people that are in the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed of the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes when it shall be reported. The king of commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise shall the ladies of Persia and Medea say this day unto all the king's princes, which have heard of the deed of the queen, Thus shall there arise too much contempt. And, and you get the idea of what's happening here. Now, wait a minute. We've got to keep these women under in control. Uh, these women are getting a little out of hand, and the queen is going to lead the charge. Now, we can argue forever about whether or not, uh, you know, there is some cause for concern. But the real truth is, who's the moral one in this story? Vashti. You know, let's not forget that, you know, she's the one taking the high road, not the king. And uh, so all of them are like, hey, king, you're going to have to help all of us out because all of us husbands are going to be in trouble when everybody sees what your wife has done. If she gets by with it, we're all in trouble. We're never going to keep our women under control that's what they're saying you know and uh, you can argue that other point however you want to deal with it go down to verse 20 look at the decree so the king comes up with the decree and when the king's decree which he shall make shall be published throughout all his empire for it is great all the wives shall give to their husbands honor both great and small what is wrong with this guys help me out here this is a problem there is a problem with this decree what is it Say it again? It's forced. Should, ladies, should you honor your husbands? Absolutely. I'm not letting you off the hook. Absolutely. But guys, if if they honor us out of fear, it's no longer honor. It's fear. Do you understand this? The, there's no place in the Bible that. Has that dichotomy where men rule over in a way that creates a fearsome or in a way that has to mandate. If it has to be done by law, it is no longer honor. That's a problem. And so as we go into our relationships at home, you know, it is based on our love first for God and we honor Him by accepting the role that he has placed us into as husband, head of the house, or as the wife who is to submit herself to the authority of her husband. I'm not backing away from that one. That's Bible. You have to deal with God on that one, not me. But when it's mandated by a decree, there's a problem. When it's forced, there's a problem. Guys, we ought to be earning the honor because we ought to be fulfilling our role, which is to love our husbands as Christ our love does our wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, right? When, we, when you're doing that, honor comes. So anyway, there's this problem. That's kind of the setup. So uh, Vashti does this, and so the king kind of disowns her and puts her in the back burner, and, and he's not going to uh, honor her anymore, and that kind of sets up the, the next part of the scenario. Chapter two, the king begins to say, okay, I need to find me a new queen. Now, he's got all kinds of wife things out there but he wants to find a queen to uh you know be the one that kind of is the figurehead and so in chapter 2 and verse 5 begins the uh, story that you're more familiar with it says now uh, in shushan the palace there was a certain jew whose name was mordecai the son of jair who's uh, the son of shemiah the son of kish a benjamite who had been carried away with jerusalem from, with the captivity which had been uh, carried away with, uh, yeah, that name, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up, wait a minute, that doesn't say Esther, Hadassah, which is Esther, just so you know, all right? So if you hear somebody named Hadassah, which you should, most of you should know someone named Hadassah, because it hasn't been that long ago they were here, uh, my my nephew, Joe, and his wife named their firstborn Hadassah. They uh, are now ministering at Martinsville Baptist Tabernacle. But anyway, um, so that's that name, Hadassah. This is Esther that's, that's being uh, spoken of. And so Esther and Mordecai come onto the scene now. So he brings up Esther. Uh, that is um, Hadassah. That is Esther, his uncle's daughter. For she had neither father nor mother nor, and the maid was fair and beautiful, whom Mordecai, when her father and mother were dead, took for his own daughter. So he's been raising this uh, young lady named Esther as his own, even though he's an, a relative here, so he steps in. And so you have Mordecai and Esther. Go down to verse 15, so we can just kind of keep things moving here. Now, when the turn of Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go into the king. She required nothing but what that person, uh, yeah, you know, you guys can pronounce it, the king's chamberlain, uh, the keeper of the women appointed, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all of them that looked upon her. Don't miss this. If we're not careful, we, we emphasize Esther's beauty. Was Esther beautiful? The Bible says so. But don't miss that God is doing a work, because beauty starts, as every one of us should know, inside, right? Not outward. It is not the outward adorning, the plating of the hair, and the putting on of jewelry and of makeup that makes the woman. It's the inward man, the inward person that makes this beautiful. And so, Don't miss the hand of God here because later on you can see that God has put Esther in place on purpose. So God uses her beauty, but as people are attracted to her, there's just something about her and the king is about to respond uh, to Esther in a unique way. So here, uh, Esther's brought before and she's kind of lifted up uh, before all of the people. Go down, if you would, to verse 17. And the king, what's it say? Loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. Now, tell me, what do you know about Esther? What is she to the king prior to becoming queen? She's a slave, right? They've taken over. The the Jewish people are there as servants, Uh, She's a slave. She is low man on the totem pole. She really is way out of her league. It is because God has moved her, but she is way out of her league. Uh, She doesn't belong there, so to speak. And yet Mordecai seems to have had some inkling of God doing something because he goes from the very beginning to prepare Esther. Esther, you need to get ready because you're going to go and more than just that you're going to go, I, it, as you read through it, it seems that Mordecai expected Esther to be chosen. And he, he's, it's like he's not surprised by any of this. Uh, he sees her beauty. And of course, every father, adopted father, whatever you want to call Mordecai at this point, sees their daughter as beautiful. And so, but he's like, who wouldn't love her? And uh, so puts her out there, and here's Esther, and all of a sudden she goes from being way down here to being the queen. Now, the queen doesn't hold a whole lot of power in this country. They really don't. Um, just like everyone else, they had to be invited in to speak to the king. And so uh, you'll see that later on in the story. But uh, So here's Esther. Go down, if you would, please, verse 21. And uh, let's read. Now, in those days, while Mordecai sat in the king's gate, two of the king's chamberlains, Bigthan and Teresh, of those which kept the door, were wroth and sought to lay hand on King Ahasuerus. And the thing was known to Mordecai, who told it. Now, this is an important part of the story. It often gets overlooked. It's only a couple of verses here. But Mordecai is going to save the king's life. So it says, And the thing was known unto Mordecai, who told it unto Esther the queen. And Esther certified the king thereof in Mordecai's name and when the Inquisition was made of the matter, it was found out, they were, therefore they were both hanged on a tree, and it was written in the book of the Chronicles before the king. So it's recorded that Mordecai is the one who found this out, turned in this information, and saved the king from an assassination attempt. All right? So that was found out. This was good news. Kind of end of, the, end of that part of the story, but it will come up again in a little bit, so don't lose, t- lose sight of it. Go to chapter 3 now. And let's take a look at verse 1. Starting in verse 1. After these things did King Ahasuerus promote uh, Haman, the son of... Yeah, you can say all these things. And advanced him and set set his seat above all the princes that were with him. And all the king's servants that were in the king's gate bowed and reverenced Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him, finish it out. But Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence. Now then, this is not going to be our discussion of tonight. This is for you to just study it out. But, you know, was Mordecai a rebel? Was Mordecai taking the high road? Was Was Mordecai the one who was the righteous? Or is he rebelling against the king? You're going to have to just kind of figure some of those things out. But here's what happens. The Bible records it. Mordecai says, I'm not bound to this guy. He's not worthy of it, and I'm not going to do it. And so that begins this feud, so to speak, between Haman and Mordecai. And uh, they begin to just, uh, especially Haman, just hates, hates. Did I say hates? I mean he hates Mordecai. Uh, so the king's servants were in the king's gates and said unto Mordecai, Why transgressest thou the king's commandment? Now it, was, it came to pass that when they spake daily unto him, and he hearkened not unto them, that they told Haman to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For what he had told them was that he was a Jew. Hey, I'm a Jew. I don't have to bow to this guy. And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath, anger, hatred, bitterness, all of those things. And he thought scorn to lay hands on Mordecai alone, for they had shown him the people of Mordecai. thought uh, the people of Mordecai, wherefore Haman sought to destroy all the Jews that were throughout the whole kingdom. What is Esther? A Jew. So you know the story. So here it is. You get the whole scenario. This, And you can see this happening in a play, can't you? I mean, you can just kind of see all this stuff being played out. How many of you saw the play that Suburban did years ago on Esther? Uh, about a handful of you. Man, I, t- I wish they would do that one again. Somebody needs to get hold of that play and do it again. Do it. Somebody here needs to do it. It's a great play. But anyway, it's, it just was exciting to watch how that... Happen, but it's all being played out, and here's what's happening. So now then this begins. So there's this extra bit of tension that's happening here. And then we've got to keep moving. I'm not going to get there, if not get done if I don't hurry. Go to chapter four. We'll just read verse 14 in chapter four. Mordecai goes to Esther and says, Esther, here's what's happening. Haman is planning to have all the Jews killed by law, by mandate. And uh, somebody needs to help us And you're the queen, Esther, so you need to step in. You need to talk to the queen. Use your influence over the the king and see if you can't talk some sense into him. And Esther's like, just because I'm the queen doesn't mean that I can do whatever I want. I have to have permission to come into the king. And if I come into the king without permission, then one of two things is going to happen. Either the king is going to put out his scepter and grant me permission to speak, or I'm going to be put to death. That's the law. And Esther's like, and Esther, go figure. She's a little bit scared. I mean, she's just a young lady. She's, this is, she's a young lady who's out of her element, out of her comfort zone, et cetera, et cetera, right? I mean, this is, this is not a good situation. And she's like, I don't know. And then chapter, or verse 14 is where uh, Mordecai makes this great statement. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then there shall be, and enlar- uh, then, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. Listen to Mordecai's faith. You know what he's saying? Esther, if you don't do this, God will use someone else to do it. How could, how could Mordecai say that? John. Oh, because the Jews had all kinds of promises to hold on to, that God was not going to let them just disappear off the face of the earth. And so Mordecai says, Esther, it's either going to be you or somebody else. And listen to what he goes on to say. He says from another place, but thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. He says, don't think that you're going to get away from anything. You know, if, if, if he comes after me, he's coming after you. He's coming after all of us. You're a Jew too. And then he goes on to say this. And who knoweth whether thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Maybe God put you here on purpose. Now, this is our testimony time, not yet, but this is what I want you to be thinking about. We're going to finish the story, then we'll go back to testimony. Time. Can you think of a time in your life in which God pushed you to a place? Maybe a place you didn't even want to be. Look at Esther. She wasn't anxious to go there. And at the time, you didn't understand it. At the time, you didn't get it. But in time, you came to realize that God was accomplishing something that you just hadn't yet seen. That's where Esther is. Who's to say? But that the God hasn't placed you here for just such a time as this. I've got to hurry, I'm going to run out of time. So Esther goes to the um Esther goes to the king and says, uh, enters in and waits, and the king puts out a scepter. And the king says, Amazing thing. Esther, ask whatever you want. I'll give it to you. Whatever you want, just just ask. I love you, I'm going to give it to you. And what does Esther ask for? Come to dinner. dinner. And then I'll tell you the rest of my request. So they come to dinner. Bring somebody with you. They come to dinner. And then Esther says, the king says, Esther, what do you want? And Esther says, come to dinner one more time. (laughs) And I'll tell you the rest of it. I mean, I don't know if she's trying to work up her nerve If she's just trying to build up his curiosity, I don't really know. You know, but she's like, come to dinner one more time. And and the king brings Haman and him, and they come to dinner. And finally, the king's like, Esther, what do you want? Whatever you want, I'm going to give it to you. Just ask. And Esther says, somebody is threatening to kill all of my people. And the king's like, tell me who it is, and I'll make sure it's taken care of. Now, can you imagine what it would be like to be Haman at that moment? You're sitting at the table with the king, and you're listening to the conversation between the king and the queen. I'll give you whatever you want, because I love you. Whatever you want, it's yours. I won't hold anything back. Tell me who it is. I just want to (laughs) know. Now, what we didn't have time to look at is that in the meantime, Haman has been working to have Mordecai killed. Do you know why? we don't have time to, I'm going to just tell you the story, because the king one night couldn't sleep. Remember, what, what's he doing? He's reading the chronicles. Remember the chronicles of the king that we just heard about earlier? He's reading through, and he reads the story about Mordecai saving his life, and he's like, hey, to his servants, what'd we do for this guy? And the servant's are like, we didn't do anything for him. He says, who's around? They said, Haman's in the chambers. Get Haman up here. Haman! If I wanted to really honor somebody, what do you think I should do? And Haman thinks, the Bible literally says this, Haman thinks, the king wants to show me honor. And so Haman goes through this big scenario. I mean, you ought to dress him up and you ought to make a parade and you ought to march him through town and let everybody see how much honor you want to bestow on this person. That would be the thing I would do, king. And the king says, that's a great idea. See that it gets done to Mordecai. (laughs) He hates him. Hates him. He's been building gallows to kill this. And now he's really, he just cannot wait to kill Mordecai. And so he's really trying to make all this plan happen. And now the queen points him out. And the Bible says that Haman is killed on the gallows that were prepared for Mordecai. That's not the end of the story. I mean, if that was the end of the story, it'd be a great ending, wouldn't it? But turn over to chapter 8. Let me show you the next thing. Chapter 8 and verse 1. On that day, did King Ahasuerus give the house of Haman to the Jews' enemy? Unto, I'm sorry, Haman, the Jews' enemy, unto Esther, the queen. And to Mordecai came before the king, and for Esther had told what he was done, and the king took off his ring, and, and you get the idea. Everything that Haman had now goes to Mordecai's family, to Esther. And all those, fam- all that family. Who is to say, but that what you have dreaded, that what you have despised, that what you have—the the corner God has backed you into—is not there for a reason yet to be known.